0: this is God's truth in
1: action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. Uh, this is um, just the question and answer time—the the the, uh, the time we at ELM get together to query the people who are sitting before us. And today, we're going to. Bill and I are going to talk with uh, each other about the whole issue of prayer and the application of God's Word to prayer. So anyway, um, Bill is known very well amongst us. So welcome, Bill. Thank
0: you, Pastor. Thanks. Good to be here, as always.
1: Well, one of the things that this pandemic has created for us is some solitary time. Solitary time that uh, we can use constructively or destructively. And so let me just ask you the question um how have you spent this time which has been given to you by grace more more
0: productively than you could have imagined before the pandemic happened well i've i've used it in a couple of ways i've i've started a new uh, sort of a new bible study a new, uh, new study of the word that uh, our friend randall mooney mentioned uh, a couple of months ago he was in here and he was telling us about his immersion into the Word, and he said that he came up with a plan where he would read through the New Testament in 30 days, and it, uh, it involves reading eight to ten chapters uh, a day. And uh, I am on uh, my second trip now through the through the New Testament in the last in the last 30 days, and it's uh, it's quite an immersion immersing, immersing proj- process. Uh, one of the other things that I've done also is I've tried to sort of boost up my my prayer life a little bit. One of the things that, you know, uh, we miss a lot during a pandemic when we're um, cloistered away from other people is the ability to congregate. And um, to me, a big part of my spiritual infusion or spiritual renewal is coming to church at least, you know, once a week for Sunday and then Bible study and those sorts of things. And it's I find myself wanting and needing more of that and the isolation has led me to a to to a little bit deeper prayer life um to spending more time in that you and we've talked about this before uh to me prayer isn't an event it's a dialogue it's one of those things where we uh we should keep it going sort of constantly and just bounce in and out of it as opposed to just scheduling an event once in a while so it's 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 really it's really helped me uh increase my prayer activity so when we define help in your prayer activity, what does that mean? Well, to me, it's a little bit of a deeper kind of of prayer. It's, um, most, most people go through, uh, the supplication, uh, part of prayer more than they do some of the others. we uh, during our study of, of Stephen Ministry, one of the things that you came up with is, was a little, uh, uh, acronym called ACTS. A-C-T-S. It describes sort of the, the prayer, uh, cycle, if you will it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So the first thing we're called to do is go to the lord uh in with praise and uh, and then confess our sins, then um, thank him for all the wonderful give, gifts that he has given us, and finally the supplication piece where we we spend up a- end up asking for for additional things and I think most people in their daily prayer life, spend an awful lot of time on supplication and less time than they really need to on the adoration, confession, and thanksgiving piece. And so I've concentrated a little bit more on those three aspects of prayer since we've been isolated more. In the epistle lesson
1: from yesterday, Paul is talking from prison, and he talks to the people of the Church of of Ephesus, and he says, I'm I'm praying to God for you to strengthen you, to encourage you, to support you, and above all, to help you to understand the gospel more clearly. And then he ends it by saying this wonderful statement. He said that God's response to us is indefinitely or definitely much more than we can comprehend and even imagine. And I th- keep thinking about that. You know, we sometimes are very apologetic in our prayer life. And I say, Well, God, I'm sure you don't want to hear this again from me. Rather than to say, Ask and it, it shall be given you. Just bombard the throne. Uh he's able to handle that. Um but the whole issue of, of prayer is is critical in our daily life simply because the Lord Jesus stretches his hands out and says, Ask. Just just come to me and ask and trust me. Uh, my blessings are greater
0: than you can understand and even imagine. And I, I think a lot of us approach prayer with sort of a fear and trepidation kind of thing, and we don't realize God tells us, freely approach the throne of grace, and I will listen to your prayers, and I will hear your prayers, and I will answer your prayers. Sometimes the answer is no, but you know, all prayers are heard and answered, and the point that we need to understand is that Jesus is our intercessor. Uh, no matter how, uh, the, the, you know, Paul at one point talks about inarticulate groaning and how the Spirit then takes that and and makes it a prayer fit for the Lord to hear and and for us to have that intercessor. That you know, when people ask me how I know I'm going to be uh, saved on on the judgment day, I'm, I tell him it's because I got the best lawyer you can have, and uh, he's also our intercessor when it comes to prayer as well. So, it's one of those things that I think we should boldly ask for the things we want, and but don't forget to cover it with the praise, adoration, and thanksgiving that are duly deserved by by Jesus and by God. Sometimes that whole issue of thanksgiving is some something so
1: hard to do uh, because our expectations are different than what. Uh, we had prayed for, but to give thanks is to give thanks to anything for which he has has come to us and provided for us and I like that wonderful passage in in Philippians where paul says um, that that he provides for us above our ability to know and, and to be concerned, and he says that his love for us is beyond imagination and care and therefore he will provide for us in all of our needs not necessarily our
0: wants but all of our needs well he has given us gifts that are that are often beyond our comprehension when you when you think about the society we live in very few people lack any any physical need at all we do lack spiritual needs but that's because of our own inefficiencies or insufficiencies but I think on a daily basis, and my, my prayer day usually begins when I'm a, I get up in the morning and take the dog for a walk, and he and I uh, spend a lot of time in prayer, and he, he listens sometimes. But uh, But that's when I do a lot of my praying, and I find myself being more and more thankful on a daily basis for all the gifts that I've had that have molded my, I'm 75 years old, and the 75 years that I've had here have been wonderful, rich lives simply because of all the wonderful gifts that God has given me. And I think, and every day I'm thankful for the salvation that's going to come, because if it's this good here, think what it's going to be like on the other side. Think how magnificent it's going to be. So it, to me, I'm 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 constantly thanking thanking God for the gifts of wonderful family, the people that have gone before us. I was I was raised by by family members and, and grandparents and great grandparents that were in the Lord, knew the Lord, and they they passed that along to me and gave me that start. And it's one of those things that without that, I'd be totally lost. So it's it's a it's a wonderful thing to go back and have those things to be thankful for and think think of just the magnificent gifts that we don't. We don't think about it on a daily basis at all. Food, shelter, you know, the wonderful things that we have. And we have to be constantly thankful for having those. My
1: God will provide for you all of your needs according to the richness of his grace in Christ Jesus. And I just say, all my wants are just behind me. I don't even care about those, but the needs are all met. Let's just take a moment to talk a little bit about who we are, and then let's get into this issue of the reading of the Word. If you've got a minute, I'd like to share with you a little bit about ELM and the program Engaging Truth, which we are now recording for podcast distribution. We're a small group of Christ-centered folks who believe in the power of a communication. It's been for many of us on the board or staff of a wonderful organization but an eye-opening experience to know that with technology available today, programs such as this can be disseminated electronically and be distributed worldwide almost instantaneously. And I don't believe that technology will end uh, with what is still available today. That is why we're pausing at this moment to ask you to prayerfully consider helping us distribute our program interviews. I will tell you how. You can go to our website, which is elmhouston.org, to donate online, or you can send your support to ELM Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Also, at our website, elmhouston.org, you can access podcasts of past engaging truth programs, or use the contact tab to ask us a question, or comment on our programming, or even submit a prayer request. But please, Remember to pray for us. Pray for the staff who do what they do voluntarily. Your support and dollars send our programs across the world. Well, Bill, we've talked a little bit about prayer. Let's talk about the Word. Um, I remember the first time I went through the Word just by myself, and then uh, I did it with the churches that I was pastoring, and that was a challenge because you had to divide the whole Bible into one year. That's eight chapters a day. And um, we had, in one church, we had a, a great initial turnout, but we had a 25% fallout in no time uh, because the intensity of the read. But you've done this in the New Testament because of an encouragement from somebody else. Number one, what has it done for you?
0: Uh, it has strengthened my understanding. And, and knowledge of the acts of Jesus and his life and the and the disciples and, and what they were actually living going through and living through in that first century through through Jesus ministry. And it's also fortified the message and the prophecies that were provided in the new in the Old Testament. And exhibited ways how they have actually been brought to bear in the New Testament through that message. So it's given me a much deeper understanding of what was foretold in the Old Testament by knowing, getting deeper into the New.
1: So what has what has it done for you personally to be able to uh, read through the Scriptures once and I mean New Testament once and then do it again, almost again the second time. Mm-hmm. What, what, what thing has led you to say, this is something that I needed to do because this is what it's done for me?
0: Well, again, the, the deeper knowledge and understanding and the closeness that I feel to the entire, the entire process and just the familiarity, being able to recall much more vividly and much more quickly certain stories that appear in various parts of the scriptures and uh, it's just going to be a better a better more deeper deeper knowledge of the you know people always like to say they hear this they love to hear the old old story and hear it over and over again and and to to go through and review that just i think makes it more vivid and more lifelike the summer after the church where i was pastoring uh went
1: through the whole bible in the course of uh a year's time the summer after that, I went on an archaeological excavation in Israel, which was, for me, a challenging thing because of the fact that uh, the Word of God is so interesting in that respect that it identifies places and things and people and and uh, cities and coins and everything um, from which you dig out of the ground and which you can identify with passages in Scripture. That authenticated, for me, um, without any equivocation, the truth of the Holy Scriptures, because you can't do that with a novel,
0: you can't do that with a history, history book, but you can with the Bible. Yeah. yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm sort of a, a visual kind of character. Uh, just for the listeners out there, Pastor and I, uh, Pastor and I, on a, on a regular basis, work with a, a, a group of seniors uh, at, at church, and we do a, a, a Bible study on a weekly basis and one of the things i like to uh, to do is bring maps and diagrams and stuff to show the people the other members of the of the class what was actually taking place in in reference to the holy land and and that sort of thing and this also has has given me I, i find myself referring more and more to the to the uh sort of ancillary materials that i've got i've got a couple of uh Bible atlases that I use, and I've got a couple other historical documents that on a regular basis that I find myself going to more and more in order to give myself more of a familiarity. I've not been to the, I've not been to, to Israel, visited any of those areas, but uh, it's I'd like to have that familiarization so that it's uh, you can almost see it when you're reading the scriptures. One of the things that we did
1: within the last year is take an Old Testament minor prophet book. And what was interesting about that is that we live in an age today when um, people are saying, well, if there is a just and a loving God, then he wouldn't let these things happen. Well, a just and a loving God let something more happen to people in the northern kingdom of Israel mm. because they refuse to repent of their sin. And the Lord says, okay, I'll haul you off to another country and you'll never come back. Exactly. And, you know, we always think of God as he's got to be... Be understood by us. He's got to be just and he's got to be careful about what he does with us so he doesn't offend us. When in essence, um, when we disregard what he says, we very easily, uh, can receive not the justice, but the judgment of God for what we
0: do. Exactly. Exactly. God is, uh, God is just. Uh, he forgives us, um, Many, many of our sins, uh, but some of the sins that we commit are borderline unforgivable. And once we deny Him, then He is He is just and has the right and the righteousness to deny us. I was listening just the other day to uh, George
1: Barna. George Barna is a research guru. Um, He does a lot of the research within the Christian community today about what's going on, and one of the things he he talked about that was so uh, heartfelt but hurting was that um, the generation that is presently called the the millennials, age uh, 18 to 35, uh, the majority of them really want very little to do with the word anymore. In fact, um, only 6% from his report believe that Jesus is truly the Son of God. Uh, Bill, in your reading, did you ever find any equivocation on that particular
0: fact? No, and I never, I never have. And I think one of the things that has uh, has clobbered us as a, as a nation, as a society right now, is a creeping moral relativism. It is the denial of God's law, and saying, it's okay, man will sort it out, and if we can reason through it and find a way to make it right, then it'll be right. But God doesn't say that. God says, this is my law, this is what's right. And his son came and said, he did not come to erase the law, but to fulfill it to the letter. And so the the people who claim that uh that, that Christ absolved everybody from the law and hey if your sins are all forgiven nobody, no matter what you do that's not necessarily the case it requires confession and turning one around it actually involves involves that repentance uh and and subjecting ourselves to not only the law but the law giver it's interesting, as as I get older, and maybe you've
1: experienced this as well, um, I've been through the Scriptures many times. I have taught every book of the Bible, um, and I have taught some books of the Bible more than once, and I've outlined the whole Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation. But as I'm getting older, I'm depending more upon what I have learned and what I can gather from what i have packed back in the very recesses of my mind and so your encouragement to reread the bible is going to be my encouragement as well i'm going to i'm going to do that again uh simply because of the fact that that within the the very promises of god's word are the truths that we need uh to cling to uh, what truths the truth of forgiveness the truth of reconciliation the truth of um the the simple fact that Jesus would return. Talking about uh, just that simple fact, Bill, of Christ's return, what is the fascination today in the Christian community with studying um, with the book of Revelation, for instance, the book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel? What, what is the fascination, as you see it,
0: of people uh, wanting to peek around the corner and wanting to understand the future? Well, they want to know, they want to know with certainty what's going to happen when so that you can be ready for it, you know, and and I'm not sure there's any way we can actually be ready for it. One of my favorite T-shirts that I used to see all the time, there's a gentleman wearing a T-shirt that says, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, people are fascinated with trying to be ready for salvation without living the life in order to to find and gain it. Um, I'm I'm struck by, you know, going back to and reading these things and I'm I'm reading through the, the story of the woman who was caught in adultery and, you know, and at the very end, Jesus says, you know, I, no one here stands to, stands to to stone you go and sin no more. He does not say go and sin only a little. He says, go and sin no more. So there's some absolutes in there that he, that he hands down to us. And I think we really need to listen to some of the things that he says, like, Go and sin no more. In other, in other words, try to live a sinless life. Love one another, the love one another thing. I think he really meant meant that more than anything else in the book. And so these are the kinds of things that I'm I'm being reminded of as I read through this more and more because of the examples.
1: Let's go a little bit into what it what it means when someone comes to realize for the first time that they can't they can't create a salvation unto God for themselves but the salvation alone comes from Christ
0: there's no do it yourself salvation kit okay if there was it would be cheap and everybody would do it so essentially you have to realize that in order for you to be made right and reconciled with God it's going to take his grace and his act and not yours and um and and once you realize that and once you realize that it's all been done and it's been freely given for you then it takes all this it's like lifting a huge weight off your shoulders because the pressure is not on you anymore all you have to do is accept the grace that's freely given and it seems almost too easy at that point until you realize that once we've accepted that salvation We've got a calling to live a changed life. And not changed necessarily by anything we've done, but changed because of the Spirit that's alive within us. What assurances do you have that you are a saved person from what you read in the Bible? I've got the best lawyer in eternity. <laughs> when it, when, it, when the final judgment day comes everybody's going to say guilty is charged and i'm going to turn to my lawyer and he says nope he's off he's scot-free i've taken care of it that's it i love it when people walk up and say when were you saved and i said well when jesus says
1: it is finished but no 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 that's not what i mean i mean can can you pinpoint a time in which you have decided for christ and i say well no jesus said on the cross it is finished simply that means for me that everything for me and all humanity has been done with his suffering death in his resurrections That's it. i just want to say this has been a fun time bill working through, always always a fun time working through the issue of prayer and uh the word and we've got about 45 seconds is there one
0: final thing that you'd like to say when and then close with prayer well uh, You know, one of the things that I I, I talk about all the time and when when I'm going through the the, the prayer life and the salvation, I really like two things, the Lord's Prayer, and I am always fascinated by David's Prayer of Reconciliation, Psalm 51. I think if we go back and read that, that create in me a clean heart, O God, that is is really the prayer that we should constantly be bringing to God's throne. Would you close us with prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for the opportunity to to sit here and discuss our prayer life, our word, and the wonderful gifts of salvation that you have given us. May others come to know it as vividly and strongly as we do, and may God's blessing be with all our listeners. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Bill.